0: I'm Mandy Jarkic from Creative Matters, and you're listening to Creative Matters On Air, where I have conversations with new and established artists from around New Zealand. I love to listen to artists' stories and learn about their creative process, and maybe you do too, which is why I've made this podcast, to inspire, inform, and educate. I hope you can take away something positive and encouraging from each of these amazing stories. To help you on your own creative journey. Welcome to Creative Matters, Episode 6. Thank you so much for listening. Today I'm talking to Marlon Hart. Marlon is an illustrator artist who has lived in Muruai, northwest of Auckland, New Zealand, for nearly 30 years. He spent his childhood growing up in Vancouver, Canada, which instilled in him a great love of nature and culturally left a lasting impression. Working in advertising as an art director and illustrator for more than three decades, Marlon has honed his fine art practice using a wide range of styles and artistic mediums. Welcome to Creative Matters, Marlon. So nice to have you here.
1: It's a pleasure to be here, Mandy.
0: It's great. And, um, you know, you and I have been friends for quite some time, haven't we?
1: Around about 15 years or thereabouts, I think.
0: That's a long time. And we had mutual friends, I think, when we lived in town. Yes. So that was a good connection, and um, I'm very good friends with your darling wife. Yes. <laughs> yes, she's a darling, eh?
1: She is a darling. She-
0: All right, so um, it's really nice um, that you're here, and I'm I'm so excited to hear your story. I know that you've got incredible stories to tell, and uh, you always tell them with a lot of um, oomph and vigour.
1: So many stories, not enough time.
0: <laughs> exactly. So the challenge for us is going to be keeping it around an hour, but I'm sure we'll be good. So um, just to start with, Marlon, can you tell us where you were born, your childhood, and um, if your childhood was full of creativity?
1: Well, um, it's ha- uh, hard to admit this, but I was actually born in Australia, <gasps> but as, oh. a, as, a, as a, which is where my parents actually met, even though my dad's a Kiwi and my mum's European. Um and as a very small baby, came to New Zealand and we lived in my grandparents' batch at Kawakawa Bay for a few months um, when uh, my father had a sudden rush of blood to the head and decided that we needed to move to Canada. Um, and so we moved to Canada when I was still just a baby, before I was one year, year old. And um, we were going to go to Toronto, but they landed in, we landed in Vancouver. And um, my parents fell in love with Vancouver, so decided to stay there and not move on to Toronto. Yeah. So I spent my whole childhood growing up in and around Vancouver, um, in that beautiful area around mm. British Columbia. That's beautiful, uh, isn't it? Just fabulous.
0: Yeah, yeah. so gorgeous. We lived um, just on the edge of the San Juan Islands. Oh, yes. For, a, for six months. Yes. Yeah, in Anacortes. So that was not Canada, but, you know, not too far away.
1: It's very close. That whole Pacific Northwest coast is uh, just an incredible part of the yeah, world. Yeah, so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not dissimilar to the kind of um, west coast of New Zealand in certain respects. Mm. You
0: know? Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. So um, what was your childhood like in Canada?
1: Oh, it was a brilliant way to grow up. Um, I was... I was an only child, but I actually do have a half-brother, but I didn't know I had a half-brother. It was kept secret for me for um, reasons known only to my parents uh, until I was a young adult. But I grew up uh, very much in the forests and going to the coast around Vancouver. My dad was an artist, um, and he was also a keen uh, snorkeler and scuba diver, and Back in the 60s, scuba diving was a pretty new thing. Um, And so he introduced me to snorkeling at the age of two. Uh, And my earliest memory is that there was a canyon behind our house, a forested canyon, and my dad bought me this little plastic mask and snorkel and fins. And we walked down to the stream and he put the mask in. Snorkeling fins on me, picked me up, and he lowered me uh, into the stream and I, I remember that sensation of his his hands around my ribcage and lowering me into the stream and then the sight of seeing fish and rocks and things underwater it was spectacular mm. so um I went camping a lot with um sometimes with both my parents but a lot just with my dad um. Lakes, mountains, rivers, forests, and all the animals. Of course, mm. the animals were fabulous. You yeah. know, I, um, I have memories of bears and moose and owls and bobcats and uh, bobcats and lynx. You know, so, um, so all of that was just a, a fabulous way to grow up. Mm. And in the sixties, it was it was so much more carefree. Like on, on Saturday mornings, I'd get up super early and I was told be home by dark. Yeah. And we lived very close to the woods, so I'd go, go off into the woods for the for the day mm. um, and come home. It's such a common thing,
0: up, isn't it, for people our age? Oh, it was great. Yeah, you just know? head off and come back, yeah, just before dark.
1: Didn't wear a helmet on your bike, right. didn't wear a seatbelt in the car. And Cars- we're still
0: alive, oh yeah, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, Yeah, and so your dad, um, what sort of art did he do?
1: Well, um, my dad from a very young age was an artist. He had a lot of artistic talent. Um, He was a very big, strong man. He was into athletics and physical stuff. Um, He was built like a bear. And he had had hands like hams and fingers like steel sausages, you know. (laughs) Um, But to see those massive hands pick up a fine little paintbrush Mm. and do a delicate piece of artwork, it it was quite amazing to see. Mm. Um, And how we went to Canada is uh, where he met my mum, he'd been working as a commercial artist. They were called commercial artists in those days in Australia. And... When they came back to New Zealand, uh, he managed to score a job in Toronto, days before the internet, of course. So this was all letters back and forth mm. and the occasional f- long-distance phone call. Um, and when, they, uh, when we arrived in Vancouver, uh, they loved it so much, decided to stay, as I said before. Uh, so Dad had to look for work. And he found work at a, an art studio called TriGraphic, uh, which was in um, Van- the city of Vancouver, um, and he did commercial artwork he he had like a office space there with marker pens, those lovely we used to call them squeakers those those lovely marker pens that smell great you mm, know? Yeah, I used I to reckon the red ones smelled best <laughs> um and um quite often he had to work on the weekend so on saturday mornings like one of my fondest memories was Dad taking me into work with him and going in there, and it smelt of ink and paint because they did printing there as well. And he'd set me up at one of the other guys' desks, drawing mm. boards, and give me a box of squeakers, magic markers. And we'd sit there all day. I'd draw my stuff, and he'd draw his stuff. Mm, and um, that was a real treat for me, mm. going going to work with my dad on the yeah. weekend. Um, so f- I've been drawing since I can remember and I always had encouragement from my parents. Both my parents were very artistic. The interesting thing with my dad, though, is he never once, ever complimented me, ever. Like, it, like he'd always look at what I'd done and go, oh, what, Why did you draw the hands like that? Or you know, why is it like that? That looks <laughs> a bit old. old, old. School, you know. Right? <laughs> so it was. It was never. Hey, well done. So yeah, You yeah. know. And my mum was kind of. She was complimentary, but it. It didn't mean much. I'd be like, hey, look, mum, I've just drawn a picture of this knight fighting a dragon and the dragon's bitten the guy's leg off and there's blood going everywhere. And you go, oh, that's nice, dear. <laughs> Lovely. You know? I can just <laughs> imagine <like> a... <laughs> you doing that. Oh,
0: dragons and, and yeah. knights feels very Marlon to me. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> But, um, yeah, so I did have that encouragement from my parents. Always had drawing materials at home. And when I wasn't off in the forest or snorkeling with my dad or camping or going to school, as I had to do, um, one of my activities that I loved doing was just sitting in my room drawing. Mm. Um, so the drawing and art has been there for me since I can remember. All the way through. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So great, isn't it? And um, when you went through school, like high school and that kind of thing, were you studying art then or were you not really interested at that time at school? So much? Well,
1: um, we left Canada when I was um, 10 and we travelled for about a year. There's quite a story around that. Um, we were going to live in Spain. And in fact, we did get to Spain and we lived there for a little while and then the whole thing fell apart and we had no money left. And... Um, it had broken my heart to leave Canada. Like, I really didn't want to go. Um, so when we ran out of money and everything went wrong in Spain, um, Dad and Mum decided to come back to New Zealand. Uh, so I was 11 by the time I got to New Zealand. I was going to go into Form 1, but they put me a year ahead. I went into Form 2. And then I went to um, Auckland Grammar School, um, in Auckland, and this was very early 70s, 71, 2, 3, 4, and Auckland Grammar School, it was like you either learnt Latin because you were going to be a lawyer, uh, or you got really good at maths because you were going to be an accountant, or you played rugby or cricket. Mm. And I was an artist, and I was a year ahead, so I was little. So um, I kind of didn't fit in. Um, I was very fortunate because I had a fabulous English teacher called Mr. Trimbath who really instilled in me a passion for Shakespeare and literature. Um, and so I had that, that love of writing and stories and literature and plays mm. and Shakespeare and all of that. And the second year I was at Auckland Grammar, they introduced technical drawing. And I had a great technical drawing teacher who also coached the school basketball team. And I got into tech drawing, so fine drafting, uh, the technical side of drawing. And we had a great art teacher. His name was Stan Black. And um, to give you an idea of... How, how popular art was at Auckland Grammar. When I was there, there were two people in the art club. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it was really? me and a guy called Craig Christie. Oh, wow. Um, that was fifth form, sixth form. You've got and such one year was, names. There was one year I was there, there wasn't even art in the curriculum for the year I was in. There was mm. art history, so I did art history. So that was great. I learned all about the Renaissance and mm. the Pre-Raphaelites and the Cubists and all of that. So that mm. gave me a good grounding. Mm. So I was able to, when I left grammar, I actually had done a lot of art and kept my art practice up. Um, and a, a lot of it was thanks to having those those good teachers. Mm. for That um,
0: isn't that amazing that so few children studied art in the seventies.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was. It was no, no. Sit down and learn. learn you know, learn your maths, mm. learn your English.
0: It wasn't really valued. Yeah. Wasn't.
1: And don't get me started on algebra. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: my god, I've got bad mem- bad memories of that too.
1: Yeah, but leaving leaving school. Um, and getting, getting into art after school, my passion was like we've talked about Canada and growing up, loving animals and all of that, and diving and seeing all the fish underwater. Um, and when we were living in Spain, there was an octopus that lived in a cave around the corner. I used to visit the octopus every day. Uh, a bit like that movie at the moment. Mm, you
0: know? Yeah, I've seen that.
1: Um, and... Um, I had this love of animals. So when I was getting ready to leave school, I sat my UE, uh, managed to pass my UE. I didn't get it accredited. I had to sit it. <laughs> wow. Um, you did
0: wild well pass.
1: And I was talking to the one other guy I did art with, Craig Christie, one day. And. Uh, He said, well, what are you going to do when you leave school next year? And I said, well, I'm thinking of going to university and doing either zoology or marine biology because I loved snorkeling. I was into spearfishing and used to spend all my weekends away out at the barrier or Waiheke or somewhere. Mm. And uh, so marine biology might be my thing, you know. Uh, And I said to him, what are you doing? He said, oh, I'm going to go to – ATI, which was Auckland Technical Institute, which was before Unitech, um, and they do a really good graphic arts course. So I'm going to go to graphic arts school. And I went, Oh, that sounds good. I might do that. And I did.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> with, 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 with what was his name? Chris.
1: Chris. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, Craig Christie. Uh, Craig, Craig Christie. Christie yeah. Um, but, what happened was you had to put in a portfolio you had to apply to get in, and they had hundreds of applicants, and they only allowed i don 't know forty or fifty people in mm. for two class for two different classes. Craig and I both put our portfolios in over the summer holidays. And he didn't get in, but I did. Oh, so no. I kind of felt terrible. Yeah, you know? interesting. Um, I wonder
0: what he's doing now.
1: Um, well, he, he got a job straight afterwards. He was working in a, in a studio do, doing, like, finished art and stuff like mm. that. Mm-hmm. So um, I went and visited him a couple of times at the studio where he was working. But I did the graphic graphic arts course at ATI. Um, I got into music there as well. Um and um, we had some great teachers there. We had a couple of terrible teachers there. Um, but as always, you know, the great teachers really um, perpetuate your love and um, help guide you through your love of um, the particular field mm. um, that is your passion. Mm. And so there was a couple of teachers there that were just awesome. Um and at the end of 2 years we had a exhibition and the second year i was there they had a, a an invite they introduced a third year which was a degree uh, year and it was by invitation only i got invited back for the third year But I declined because the end-of-year exhibition, I got two job offers. One was from TV3, what was TV3 at the time, Mm -hmm. doing all their graphics and their artwork. And the other one was for an advertising agency in Auckland. Wow. And I went to the TV3 studios and they showed me my little cubicle where I'd be working and the little studios and things there. And I looked at that and thought, "Oh, that looks all right." And then uh, I got offered a job with Leo Burnett Advertising in Auckland. And this was uh, this was at the end of 1976. And so I went into Leo Burnett with the guys that had offered me the job, and they were awesome guys. And I walked in there, and they were playing Led Zeppelin really loud on a really big stereo in the studio, which was located as far away from the guys wearing suits, which were at the front of the building, down the back of the building. I walked in, and there was all this Led Zeppelin. These guys were half pissed, <laughs> and I could smell dope. <laughs> and I went, yeah, I know where I'm going to work. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I started working at Leo Burnett, and um, the guys I were working with, um, I was a junior art director, of course, because I'd was i only just turned 18 at the time and my first job in advertising Mm. and i got to go in there and sit at my desk with these really groovy guys um and draw all day uh beginning of beginning of 1977 Uh, i i got to draw all day and listen to led zeppelin and I was doing storyboards for TV commercials. Um, illustration was used a lot more in those days mm. uh, in advertising.
0: Before the days of computers. Well,
1: yeah, this was like before yeah. computers. Yeah. Um, like photo retouching, you actually got a transparency or you got the actual photo. And a guy with a paintbrush drew on it to do the retouching. You wow. know, that's how how low tech it was. It's amazing. Um, one of the guys that worked in the studio with me, a guy called Gary Bathgate, he he was uh, employed full-time as an airbrush artist, and he just sat there and did airbrush stuff all day long. Um, and then a couple of us were employed as art directors, but also we did illustration work and visuals and storyboards. One guy, he was a great art director, Paul Marshall. Um, he also, he was amazing with type. And in that, like he draw hand draw a lot of the type. He had a great eye. Mm. Um, one of the other guys there, John Tootle, was a fabulous is a fabulous artist in his own right. And after edging his way out of advertising years ago, he's he's now a, a very well known New Zealand artist. Mm. And wow. all these guys were great to yeah, work with. Yeah. So they they encouraged me. Um, mm. You know, they they helped guide me. Mm. You know, and it was this this interesting mold of a very commercial world of advertising and big money and big accounts and everything. But just getting to draw and listen mm. to loud music mm. and, and misbehave and go to the pub at lunchtime. You know?
0: <laughs> I can imagine yeah. naughty marlon. Yeah. yeah. And so was it um did you feel like you could sort of express your own ideas and come up with your own stuff or was it quite prescribed at that time?
1: What happened to me like I <clears throat> I worked in advertising Uh, you know, from 1976, 77. Um, And some of the time I'd be working full-time in an agency. Other times I'd be working freelance from home with a home studio doing illustration work and visuals and storyboards. And some of the time I went travelling. I'd just go off overseas for a couple of years. Um, And um, I became very cynical about the advertising industry. And you can imagine why. You know, it's mm-hmm. like your, your job is to take this chocolate bar or this car or this seat on an airplane and sell it to people. And you do that with beautiful images, you know, whether it's a TV commercial or a magazine ad or a billboard. And I, I slowly became more and more cynical about it. And what happened with my art practice, if you want to call it an art practice, was it became a chore. And I'm not talking about quickly, I'm talking over like, Quite a few years here. So going back to when I was a little kid, drawing was a pleasure. I'd sit down and just draw. I'd draw for hours. And when I was a teenager, I'd draw till three or four in the morning and then go to bed because I loved it so much. Mm. And… Similarly, when I was in my 20s, I'd work in advertising, but I'd go home at night and I'd paint or draw work on something that I was doing just for me. It wasn't for an Mm, exhibition or anything, mm. just for the sheer joy of it. But by the time I got into my 30s, the the drawing had become a chore. Mm. So I didn't do it for relaxation anymore. I didn't do it for my own pleasure. I didn't do it for having an exhibition down the road. I did it less and less because it became hard work. Mm. So now that I'm a lot older and I'm not involved with advertising very much at all, you know, a little bit here and there, but uh, not involved with it very much at all, I've rediscovered that pleasure of artwork and drawing and Mm. sitting down, picking up a pencil or a paintbrush. And I have this thing I call the cup of tea test. If I my, uh, make myself a cup of tea and I sit down to draw, and if that cup of tea goes cold, which it often does these days, it means I'm really enjoying mm. working on what I'm mm. working on. I, I become so absorbed in what I'm working on, the tea goes cold. Yeah. So <laughs> that's a good the, test. Cup of, the cup of tea test is working <laughs> quite well. I've <laughs> got a lot of cold tuff, cups of tea going <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's really cool. Um, so after the advertising, I'm just going back a bit again. We'll come to your, your current practice in a minute. Yeah. Um, after the. Advertising did you leave and get other types of jobs or did you just start focusing on your art practice then
1: no I um like I said I, I traveled quite a bit like uh, I left New Zealand in seventy nine came back 1980 uh, traveled all around Europe love that. Uh, that of course, you know, mm. when you travel, you see stuff that influences mm. you. Yeah, yeah. Came back, worked in advertising, most uh, mostly freelance, but also some full time jobs, through to about nineteen eighty seven. Nineteen eighty seven, I travelled again, Europe, and India and Nepal. Um, came back, did more freelance, and round about. Around about 99, I finished my last full time job in advertising and continued the agency I left, I was on great terms with. So I continued to do work for them on a freelance basis for mm. a few years after that and working for other advertising agencies, mm. visuals, storyboards, um, finished illustrations. Mm. But Slowly less and less and less and started started doing started mm. doing other things yeah um, and you've
0: done some really interesting other things haven't you
1: well yeah <laughs> I've, uh, I've worked in the dive industry um, I worked in a dive shop I was a dive master rescue diver qualified class four commercial diver mm, wow. um, I was a karate instructor uh, I was a sensei ran a dojo um Gosh, what else have I done? Animal trainer. Uh, Animal trainer. Um, I work in film and television um, with uh, lovely people like Mark Vetti and Rosie Miles and Bex Watts, uh, Marie Manderson, um, training uh, animals and wrangling animals for film and TV. And I've done some crazy jobs. We had deer in downtown Auckland um, (coughs) with areas of downtown Auckland fenced off with with stags running around and hinds running around downtown Auckland. Um, (laughs) We've we've painted cows purple with human body paint for um, milk. And chocolate ads and mm. things like that. Uh, so, yeah, it's mm, pretty crazy.
0: And was that your just your love of animals that got you the, into Again,
1: that? that was my love of animals. Uh, Mark Vetti is a friend of mine and we were sitting there chatting one day and he's he said, look, I've got all these women working for me, but I need a big, strong guy because we've got all this stuff coming up with bulls and cows. And I was breeding cattle at the time. I was breeding animals at home mm. here at Murawai called um, beefalo, which are a cross between North American bison and beef cattle. So Mark knew that I knew my way around a cow. Mm. Um, he said, come and work for me. So I was mm. uh, working with Mark Vetti, and I, so I still do work with Rosie and Bex and the other guys. I've got a couple of film projects on at the moment that that's are great. being shot in New Zealand because uh, New Zealand's one of the only places in the world that's Mm. F- you can film at the moment, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's um, great New Zealand. so there's some wonderful film projects mm. happening in yeah, New Zealand all right over now. The place. So I've had a little bit of involvement with yeah. a couple of those.
0: We yeah. might need to use my dog Mezzy, Marlon. Yes, I think she's very, very good.
1: Yes. 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 All right. Now, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, I've um, we've got horses at home. One of the horses we've got is, is um, was Rosie's horse. It's kind mm. of our horse now. Mm. Um, and uh, Ollie, Ollie's a film horse. Um, and I've used one of my dogs. We got a couple of dogs and used one of my dogs. Uh, he was in a Holden TV commercial not long ago. Mm, so, so yes, there's um, and the I, yoga. Oh, yes. And I, I became a yoga teacher. I went away to Los Angeles. Um, gosh, that would have been about seven, eight years ago. Um, Became a Bikram yoga teacher by studying under Bikram Chaudhary. Um That was a very intense training for about two months, two months training, live it, living uh, and training in L.A. Um, and came back as a yoga teacher and worked in some of the hot yoga studios around Auckland. Mm. Quite an experience. Um mm. And really enjoyed that. But I, I had a hip replacement um, a couple of years ago. That slowed me down a bit. Mm. But we tested the hip out just um, some months after the hip replacement. My wife, Danielle, and I went to Peru and uh, walked the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu, which is, wow. had been a dream of mine since yeah. I was a kid, since yeah. I saw a picture of it in a book that my dad gave me when I was a little kid. Um, so that was a good way to check out check mm. out the hip replacement, see if it was working all right. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, still still doing a bit of film work, uh, a little bit of acting work here and there, just little bits, uh, animal wrangling and working on my artwork mm, right now. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, well, that's so great. And, um, you know, I've seen a lot of action coming from your studio lately. You seem to be very prolific.
1: Well, there's, um, since I was a little kid growing up in Canada, I, I, really um, embraced the art style and the uh, belief practices and, and the way of looking at the world of the native peoples around where I grew up. Um, and I, saw, I started looking at animals in particular, but also the natural world. Uh, all things that I loved through those eyes um, so i I was looking at these animals and by the time I grew up, so to speak, by the time I got older, I, I really wanted to work in that style of the people where I grew up. Beautiful, beautiful tribes and clans, wonderful people. There was where where we lived. Uh, the main tribe there was the Coast Salish people um and a little bit further north and out on vancouver island was uh what are commonly known the quakutile people but the proper name is the wakwa people mm-hmm. and further north you've got the Nootka, the haida the clencat uh Tsimshian, um mm-hmm. all with beautiful beautiful artwork and i this i was surrounded by this artwork as a kid the beautiful long cedar longhouses um and the totem poles um, Mm. in the forests there and along the coast. Um, So I was exposed to that and I I loved it, I embraced it. And so I've had these images of animals in my head that I've wanted to draw in that style, but with my own own input, my own... Mm through my own eyes as well. Mm. Uh, but also with influences from things I've seen in my travels as well. There's there's little things I've seen in Peru and Mexico, in Nepal, in Europe, That uh, particularly Scandinavia, you know, the Viking art. The little bits keep coming through for me. So mm. I sat down and I thought, right, uh, it was after my hip replacement. And my wife Danielle's looking at me and she's going, well, you're sitting there doing nothing, you know, what are you going to do? Uh and I thought, well, here, now's the time to start working on this, this <laughs> series of images I had you. in my head. So I sat down. The first one I did was orca. And I started doing all the traditional animals from over there. So I was doing orca and bear um, and and the, the kind of Canadian woods animals and sea animals. Mm. So while I was drawing orca, I had this little epiphany. And I went wow, we've got all these beautiful animals in New Zealand that I love, all the ones that I've dived with as, as a diver, all the ones I've seen along the coast and in the bush around New Zealand. I should apply the style that I'm working in to all the New Zealand animals. So I did piwaka waka, fantail, and um, I did a... Um, a seal, Kekano, um and a king, kingfisher, you know. Um, and I started doing New Zealand animals and birds. And so this has become my uh, series of limited edition prints. Mm. And I was talking to my wife, Danielle, and um, she came up with this idea. Well, you know, you grew up. You've grown up on both sides of the Pacific Ocean, and you've got all that, that influence, that input, that inspiration from your childhood in Canada, plus your love of nature and art here in New Zealand, your experience here. And uh, she came up with the name Pacific Crossing. Yeah, so mm, this is what we've called the, the latest series, Pacific yeah, Crossing. It's so great. Um, and you've, you've got the indigenous peoples of both sides of the Pacific right. Ocean with their love of nature, their love of art, mm. the beautiful artwork you see here uh, from the Maori people and all the amazing artwork I grew up with on the other side of the Pacific Ocean with all the First Nations people from mm. America. And here's here's me in the middle, just soaking mm. all these wonderful influences yeah. up. And with my love of animals, I just kind of put it all together. It's so perfect. So yeah, we've got this series yeah. of of um, all these New Zealand animals uh, coming out in my limited edition mm. prints now. Yeah,
0: that's so uh, great. And um, you know, it's nice to bring in the New Zealand connection, isn't it, to to your your world from when you were younger. But also, um, perhaps it would be nice to just describe. What the works look like. I mean, I know they're sort of single pieces with a white background at the moment, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. So maybe talk about the color palette and um, and give the listeners a feel for for your work. You know, people who haven't seen it before, but also just adding that you can see um, Marlon's blog, and um, which goes with this podcast, and that has some of the images. So it's a nice it's a nice thing to do. So you can actually visualize while you're speaking. Mm-hmm. But if you could just very quickly describe. Um, the work as in sort of what sort of form it takes and colours and that kind of thing. Sure. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I work in lots of different styles. Um, obviously with that advertising background I had to do <laughs> images in all different styles, all different mediums at the drop of a hat. But this vision that I had for this series has, has been with me since I was a kid and it's quite stark, it's very graphic and I wanted to achieve very flat colours, very very sharp lines. So having it on a pure white background helps to accentuate that sharpness and make the image even, even more graphic and stand out. Um, the, the main colour is black. Uh, and then normally there's maybe two, maybe three other colours that I work with. And what I do is I use a combination of very, uh, what was traditional where I grew up, uh, very traditional colours over there. But I I extend out from that to making the colours, how would I say it, realistic, you know, true to nature. Mm. So I, I... I divert off that path sometimes of doing strong primary colours, and I'll go into more subtle colours, depending on the particular animal I'm working on, particular uh, particular image I'm working on. It depends what seems to suit it. Mm. I, for instance, I was working on Tui recently. I've done a Tui drawing. And I sat down and I see tuis out the window while I'm working on this, because where we live, we're surrounded by bush and Mm. sea. So a lot of these animals that I work on, I have a story about every one, a personal experience. So I'm looking at tuis out the window and I'm looking at photographs of tuis and I'm going out and standing in the garden or walking through the bush and looking looking at them up close. And I'm trying to get the color right. And I had one of those artist moments. Oh, I can't get the colour right. What's wrong with me? <laughs> you know, and and it got very frustrating. Mm. And I'd i do the colours and I'd show them to Danielle and she'd go, "No, nah, that's not right." Go away. and do it again. I'd like, show them, show her the colours. She'd go, "No, nah, it's still not right." Uh-huh. And um,
0: and you listen. I mean, how do you find that having somebody else's input? You obviously listen well. To your Danielle's
1: wife. a great artist in her own right, Excellent. and a very good eye for color. Mm. Uh, so I trust her judgment yeah. a lot. So we're constantly showing each other mm. each other's mm. artwork and Isn't going, "What do you great? think?" And I'll go, "Oh, that that looks a little bit furry there, and that that blue's a little bit too intense. You need to knock that back." And she'll do the same for me, <laughs> yeah, you know. It's so awesome. so uh, it's great, mm. great having someone you live with yeah, that, that you, you can work with like that. Yeah. But um, it took me. Forever to get the Tui colours right. And when you actually look at the Tui, if you analyze it, the colours aren't really Tui colours, but it gives the it gives the, the idea yeah. of the spirit of the Tui, of that that flash of colour when you mm. see it flying through the trees mm. just, just in front of you. Um so the colours aren't accurate.
0: Mm, which I like. But
1: they work. Yeah, they, It gives you that two-y feeling.
0: And the connection, you make the connection. Yeah.
1: And some of my other ones are miles away from the natural colour, but it gives you an idea of the spirit of the animal. Mm. And that's what I'm mm, trying like to that. capture with these, these images, with, really with these cool. artworks, is, is, is what that animal's about. And some, if you look at some of them, something that I work with, is where I grew up. The people believe that things change shape. So a lot of animals came out of the earth from the underground realm, or some came from the land and went into the sea. For instance, wolves can turn into killer whales, and they go into the sea. And it was the wolves that taught the humans how to hunt whales, like killer whales hunt the other whales. So there's this shape-changing thing. Mm. So in my work, sometimes you'll see an animal, but you'll see faces within it or hands or even other animals uh, because also in the the Northwest Coast art, there's like an X-ray thing. So you actually see the bones or the muscle tissue of animals or you'll see what's in its stomach. For instance, I've drawn a bear, and the bear's just had a salmon for lunch. So the salmon's in his tummy. And uh, my frog, you'll see a dragonfly. Um, and one way of looking at that is is it's a happy little dragonfly. It's sitting on the frog's back. And the other way of looking at it is frog's just eaten the dragonfly. The yeah. <laughs> dragonfly's in his tummy. Um, so there's quite there's things mm. going on but in a very flat mm. graphic mm. way so sometimes you don't actually see it initially yeah. and then you'll go oh there's a face there or yeah. or or oh, there's a hand there but the mm. hand's actually this part of the part of the actual animal mm. you know or, or there's a couple of other animals in there you know
0: and you like the idea of it being sort of open to interpretation
1: oh yeah yeah i've i've uh, had people look at my artwork and go like if do a hand and, and there's an eye in the middle of the hand. And they go, oh, well, that's a hansa, you know, which is a, a very old symbol. You know, it's it's found um, throughout the world. You know, it's found in India, it's found in Nepal, it's found in Africa, but it's also found in North America, you know. Um, mm. You know, hand's a very universal mm, yeah. symbol in, in all cultures, you know, yeah. and, and it's a very powerful symbol too. Mm. So, yeah, there's quite, quite a few things going on. Mm. Um, but what I've managed to achieve with this is what I wanted, which is very flat, graphic, strong image, quite powerful images. You know? mm, yeah, they look great up big. Yeah, they do, <laughs> and
0: they're definitely you know impressive and powerful feeling. Mm. And um, I think you you know, people love the work. It's just gorgeous.
1: I'm I'm getting very good reactions, and and some. Great compliments from yeah. from people. Yeah, pe- so people good. like it. Yeah. And
0: I was just um, just saying earlier that um, my son Brody, you know, just reacted to your frog. Yeah, like I've never seen him react to an artwork. Even though I, you know, there's a lot of artwork in our home, and I make my own work. He, he doesn't react in the same way, yes. but he connected. In fact, he's asked if he can use the image for uh, his first album, which is interesting. all right yeah so we can do that go. we yeah. can do that plant that seed, yeah um, and also how do you actually go about making it? What's your process
1: um I'm very much a um uh I like the feeling of working with what I'm working with, so uh, when I'm oil painting, I like getting my hands really dirty and working with the oil. Uh, but when I'm working on more graphic stuff like this is, it's very clean and um, precise. So it's, it's the opposite of what I do when I'm oil painting. I'm, v- I'm very finicky. So I work A3 size with layout paper, and I use the same... Pencil. It's a clutch pencil, Mars Statler clutch pencil that my dad bought me when I started doing tech drawing at Auckland Grammar School when I was 14 years old. incredible. I've got the same pencil, and I use it every day. That's amazing. And I do my initial sketches um, on A3 paper. I then refine it on A3 paper. I then refine it more on A3 paper, and I get a very, very exact final image image. on that paper. Now, I've been dragged kicking and screaming into the 21st century. I'm not a techie kind of guy. I'm far from it. I'm not a computer kind of guy. But um, when we were in lockdown last year, I was working on, on on these, get to the point where I was ready to actually produce, you know, finish them off, this series. And I was struggling to come up with How am I going to get that flatness of color, that that clean line, that really flat color? I was thinking I've got to screen print these, and I've done screen printing, Mm. and it's for some people love it, and I really kind of didn't like it. I've found it didn't like the process or the uh, final result. Process was okay, but I found it a bit tedious. If you're Mm. with me, you know, Mm. just for me, you know, other people love it and great, you know, but for me, nah. Um, So. Uh, we were in lockdown and there was this, you can do this click and collect, buy stuff. And I was talking to a good friend of mine, Martin Bailey here at Murawai, who who I've known since we were in our 20s together. We've worked in advertising together and illustrated. And I'd say, how do you do your work? Uh, and he's been trying to talk me into using a computer for years and years. And he knows I don't really like computers, <laughs> not that much. Um, they have their uses. Um, but... He, he said, well, look, I've got this drawing program and I do my work on an iPad Pro now. And then I import, import it, export it, download it, upload it, whatever, yep, yep. to his computer. He upload. does the final work on the computer. So online I bought myself a, um, an iPad Pro. And what I do is I take my final pencil image, I photograph it on the iPad, and I literally do the coloring in on the iPad. I follow the outline, the pencil Mm. outline I've done Mm -hmm. and I just colour in on the iPad and it allows me to get those really flat areas Mm. of colour with no variation and that very graphic image. So it's the color is finished on the iPad.
0: On is it Photoshop the program? No
1: not Photoshop. The program I use is called Procreate. Oh
0: Procreate, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I'm probably like when I sit down and use a computer, I'm probably using one or two percent of what that computer is capable mm. of doing. And I'm pretty sure I'm doing the same thing with that Procreate drawing program. I'm using it probably at its most basic level. Mm. But it allows me to achieve to the final effect that I want to yeah. do. So it's really just but, the
0: coloring and the outlining.
1: It's no, the outlines all done it's on done. paper. It's the it's the it's color. It's, mm. it's the color.
0: But do you do the outline? Go over the outline with? I go over the. the color, I go over the, the outline. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah, So
1: I take my my image on paper. Mm. Uh, there's a camera in the iPad, just like there is on your phone. I f- I get it really flat on a nice sunny day on the living room floor, photograph it. And then I sit down and trace over and mm. fill in the colour. Mm.
0: And do you enjoy that process on the computer?
1: Um, does it feel artistic? It's to it's you? actually no different to colouring in with pens mm. or paint yeah. as I normally would. But what it does allow me to do that I love is it allows me to fix my mistakes mm. quite easily. Mm. And there's a lot of those. Mm. (laughs) There's a (laughs) lot of mistakes. Uh, If you're not making mistakes, you're not making anything, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, It allows me to fix my mistakes and it allows me to tweak the color. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, before I'd actually have a a spare bit of paper next to me and I'd be coloring on that or a spare bit of canvas, I'm looking at the color on that and going, no, that's not quite right, that's not quite right. Uh, but with this you can actually do the colour and go, that's not quite right, and you just change it on the actual Mm. thing you're working on. Yeah, that would be great. So that's that's kind of fun. Mm. And, you know, I still do drawings on paper and the whole thing's on paper. This is quite a new process for me Mm. using the iPad for the Mm. finishing. But I actually prefer to not use anything technical, but it works for this particular yeah, series I'm working on. It works really well. So I, yeah, I am yeah. enjoying that process, can you Mandy. Ever, can you
0: see yourself doing the same kind of ideas, but maybe with paint, paintbrush at any point?
1: Yeah, well, um, when I was doing the, the, the primary series of the limited edition, which is 100 of each animal, of each print, of each image, um I was talking to my good friend, Sandy Clark, who's an artist and an art collector, and she explained to me that as an artist, when you're doing a limited edition, it is considered the done thing to actually do artist's proof, uh, artist's proof or um, a special, special artist's edition. And you can do that on another ma- uh, material or um, another size. Mm. So these images... Having grown up with these ones over in Canada that are like on a cedar longhouse, and they're massive, or on the a canoe or a totem pole, um, these things look good up big. This style of artwork looks good. Mm, the bigger, works. the better, almost. You yeah. know, so um, I'm printing some on canvas up really large, about nine hundred by nine hundred mil. Um, And I was initially going to do them as a painting, but I thought, no, like if, if I print them rather than paint them, I can still get that really clean, mm. flat graphic mm. image,
0: and that's on uh, canvas. Yeah, yeah, cool. But
1: I, I might paint some, some of these mm. images as well. It'd be interesting to see yeah. how it feels. Yeah, well, I've got, you know, I, I'm, I'm working on these and going, oh, have you know, in the back of my head, I've got, I've got to do a gannet, I've got to do a pukekeko, mm. I've got to do a gecko. I really want to do a wetter. Wetter would be yes. amazing in this style, and. People that look at my art, you know, friends, family, people I don't know, they go, oh, have you thought of doing a shark? Mm. Have you thought of doing this? You know, where mm. do you stop? Yeah, You know, yeah. the world is full of beautiful animals, you mm.
0: know. That feels like you've got a lot more to do Yeah, this series.
1: Yeah, well, my brother-in-law, you know, the, these images um, work really well as tattoos. Yeah, they work. Like, as you've probably seen on my back, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and my brother-in-law, who loves tattoos, he said, oh, would you do me a hammerhead shark? So I'm getting a list of things I've got, mm. I've got to do you know, yeah. for people. You know.
0: I can see this series you know, in some form going on for a long time.
1: It Look, it's like I said, where do you, where do you stop? Mm. You know, I, I go for a walk in the bush or a walk along the beach here at Murawai and uh, I'm inspired every day by nature. Yeah. Um, it's
0: a good place to live for that.
1: Oh, Wonderful place. That's
0: for sure. And then how do you find that sort of, you know, potential tension between um, making what you want to make and making what you think will sell or what people want?
1: Well, as we were talking about earlier, you know, I worked in advertising. So I had to prostitute myself. I had to draw what I was told to draw or what I was asked to draw on demand all day, every day. Yeah. You know, here here's a storyboard that you got to do for toothpaste you know here's you know we're going to do a tv commercial for this airline and you got to do that you mm. know we need a poster for this car mm. so i had to draw all the time so as i was saying before i became cynical about it i didn't enjoy it and it sucked all the joy out of mm. it so now when i'm working on my own art i do what i want to do mm. um I do, of course, think of if I'm I'm doing my art to sell it uh, as a limited edition print or a painting, um, I will quite often go, hey, people really like fantails. I'll mm. draw a fantail. Mm. People, people love birds. So mm. I'll do more birds than sea animals yeah. and insects and reptiles. Yeah,
0: but it's still within your – But you what know what you people like. Doing.
1: But, yeah, like if – Hell, you know, if I feel like doing a praying mantis, I'll do a praying mantis. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? that's a good, that's a good idea. And if it doesn't sell, so, oh, that's okay. You know, that's okay. Yeah, I love yeah. praying mantises. You know, yeah. so you know,
0: it's a balance, isn't it? Yes, in a way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but it's great. That you can just be doing what you love. Yeah, and then people are loving it. So yes, perfect, people do. People do storm. seem to be
1: reacting to it really well. Yeah,
0: really do. Okay, that's so interesting. Um, I guess it would be. Hard for you to know exactly where you're going to be heading from here because I do feel like we were saying there's a lot for you to explore within this series. Um, have you any idea of what's in the future for you?
1: Well, I'm going to keep working on the series simply because I'm enjoying it so much and other people seem to be enjoying it. Mm. Um, I've got an exhibition coming up very shortly at the Kumiu Arts Centre Um in the, the beautiful pod gallery, the new pod gallery mm-hmm. at the Kumu Art Centre. Wonderful place. Yeah. So much good art going on there. Yeah, it's a great it's place. It's a great community hub. Good music going on there yeah, too and classes. Yeah. Um, my exhibition is called Pacific Crossing, of course, um, at the Kumu Arts Centre in Kumu. Um the exhibition is starting on the 7th of April. It's running through to the 1st of May. Mm-hmm. Uh, the opening night, which you're invited to, thank you, I'll is be there. Uh, Friday the 9th of April. It's my birthday. It's your birthday. Yeah, it's a good omen. Oh, well, look, uh, the beers are on me. I'll be there. You know? <laughs> Let me put a glass of wine in your hand. Um, so I'm very excited about that. Um, uh Yvonne and Jago at the Kumu Art Arts Centre have been hugely supportive mm. of, of me and my art. and been great to work with. So yeah. I've, I've got that exhibition um, coming up. I'm working towards getting my work into a few galleries at the moment. Okay. Um, I've got my work in the Fantail House in Parnell. It's mm-hmm. a lovely um, gallery and retail space. Uh, really like it there. Yeah, Um And I've got my work in a beautiful gallery up north on the old Russell Road, uh, the Gallery Helena Bay, uh, which is um, all sorts of wonderful um, artists Mm, from from the northern part of the North Island in that gallery. Yeah, Love that place. I'll put those links to those
0: places in your blog.
1: Great, thank you. So I've got my work in there, but I'm looking at getting my work into a couple more places at the moment. And at some point... I'm. I know I'm going to feel I've kind of done my dash working in this this style with these images, and you know, there's there's other things I'd like to do. I'd like to do more of my oil painting. Um, I love working in ballpoint pen, do so I w- I'd love to do a series just of drawings in ballpoint pen. Mm. Um, ballpoint pen it's pretty humble it's quite underrated mm, as a medium but yeah. ballpoint pen on the right paper is is a fabulous medium to work yeah, in beautiful. uh so there's hey there's lots of stuff mm. i could do um it's where, where do i stop yeah you know? so many uh, ideas not yeah. enough time yeah
0: that's the problem isn't it yeah that, that's a good problem to have it is better than no ideas i guess yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's very exciting. And you've also got the Murawai Arts show, Group Show in May.
1: Yes, we we um, have got uh, Murawai Arts down at the Surf Club here at Murawai in May. Looking forward to that, the Leap of Faith um, exhibition. Um, and you're one of the organisers, so you've been working yes. really hard on that, Mandy. Yep. So thank you for all your hard you're work. You're very welcome. And to Nikki and Donna as well. Thanks, Mandy. And as you know, I'm also involved with the Murawai Arts Open Studios Group, mm-hmm. which um, work very much with the Murawai Arts. Um, so uh, we had a very successful Open Studios exhibition October last year. Um, Good From Scratch, uh, run by Mike and B, um, hosted some of the artists, including me. That was a lovely space. So mm. we'll have another one of those coming up probably around about October this year, Mm. with open studios all around Murawai. Yeah, that sounds great. And Good From Scratch will be involved with that as well.
0: And do you actually have a a studio, Marlon, at the moment? Or are you
1: planning on building one? Um, Danielle and I have one. we, We built our own house 12 years ago. And one room in the house, we refer to it as the office. But it's like office, studio, what have you. And we've got his and hers desks with his and hers computers and a whole lot of shelves and a whole lot of art gear and drawing gear. And I, I've got a, this great big old Kauri desk that I bought off my mate Colin Rellahan back in about 1981 or 82. Mm. And I still sit at that desk and it's my favorite place to work. When I work on bigger stuff, it's the dining room table. Mm. Uh, we've got a beautiful big. Big, big, big uh, living room with a big stone fireplace mm. and big dining room table. And a
0: beautiful in there. view.
1: And a beautiful view. Yeah. And I just work at that table. I worked right through lockdown at that table on an animation project uh, for my good friend uh, Nashon, Nashon Zalk, who's a, a documentary filmmaker. Mm-hmm. So I sat at that dining room mm. table right through the first lockdown back in this time last year, yeah. drawing at the dining room table for mm-hmm. the month or two we were in lockdown whatever it was so it was kind of the beginning yeah. wasn't it of your yeah. getting back into your drawing yeah. so kind of the whole yeah. house is my studio really. yeah. yeah
0: i guess and it's nice because you've got other places you can show your work like good from scratch at times yeah. you know around the community where you can you can use that instead of having to show in your own space
1: well the thing is with our house is there's so many windows mm. and we've bought art off all these other wonderful local artists, you know, uh, like Tanya Blong and um, Gail.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, um, and uh, I've got work from my friend Paul Woodruff that I've had for years. So all the little bits of available wall space are already covered with yeah, other people's art. Yeah. So I don't have a lot of space to show my mm. stuff. But the Good From Scratch space was a mm. lovely yeah, space. It's a beautiful and, of course, space. the food up there is wonderful. Yeah, that's
0: yeah. great. Okay, so just um, kind of working towards finishing off, Marlon. It's been so interesting hearing your amazing stories. Thank you. Um, I'd just like to know what's your favourite place in New Zealand and why?
1: Oh, very tough question because it's such an amazing country. It's hard to pick. Um, I would be tossing up between Murawai, where we live, and the place we love. I love that wild West Coast energy; like it's it's incredible, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love Great Barrier Island. Mm. Uh, I was out there a couple of weeks ago with my good mate Jeremy, and um, we did some fishing, we did some snorkeling and diving, and uh, some walks in the bush. And uh, I love Great mm. Barrier Island; that's beautiful, that is isn't a it? Wonderful place. Yeah,
0: it's pretty untouched yeah. still at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It May not be for long. Hopefully yeah. not. Yeah, okay, very good. And um you've done a lot of travelling, so what would you say was your favourite place out of New Zealand?
1: Out of New Zealand. That's where I grew up in Canada. I'm frightened to go back because if I go back I might not want to leave again. You know, really? I love it there. But yeah. Norway. I loved Norway.
0: Okay. I've never yeah. been there.
1: Yeah, Norway's fabulous. It? People are wonderful. They're Vikings, for God's sake. Yeah, <laughs> you <laughs> and
0: got you're you're Viking. basically a Viking. I'm
1: part, I'm part Viking. Uh, yeah. yeah, so yeah. Um, Norway's just mm. beautiful. Mm. Yeah, stunning. I went right up to the Arctic Circle. Um, you know, saw the Northern Lights. Wow. Um, climbed climbed a mountain there. You know, mm. it's, uh, in the springtime, it's Norway's fabulous. Really, really beautiful, but you know there's beautiful places all over the world. It's mm, really hard. To yeah, Danielle and I were in Peru as I mentioned a couple mm. of years ago, and Peru was just brilliant. Oh, I'm glad glad I did that before COVID, before lockdown. Yeah, you know, was, we're
0: all sort of stuck here yeah, for the moment, but yeah, yeah, yeah hopefully not too much longer.
1: Yeah, Peru was fabulous.
0: And uh, thank you. And just the last thing um, for all the people listening: um, what advice do you have for People starting out on their creative journey.
1: Uh, it's a bit like the Nike thing. Just do it. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Um, I think the worst kind of advice you can get in this world is free advice. So you've got to be careful of the people that give you free advice. So when you, when you come to people with an idea going, oh, I'm thinking about doing these paintings or I'm thinking about doing this pottery or I want to be a jeweler. I'd I'd take the Australian angle on it rather than New Zealand angle because what I find happens in New Zealand, because here in New Zealand we do tend to be a little bit more conservative. So you go, hey, I've got this great idea for this this new project. Kiwis quite often, tell me if I'm wrong, but quite mm-hmm. often they go, Oh no, you know, oh, that's gonna to be too hard and it might not work because of this and mm. all of that. But you go to Australia and they go, That's a great idea, mate. You should do that. <laughs> go for it, mate. You know, yeah. you know, they call it the lucky country for a good reason. Mm. You know? So I think you've got to have a little bit of an Australian attitude to mm. it. If you've got an idea, go for it. If you want to do something, do it. Mm. And maybe if you're worried about other people or your wider audience not liking it or not wanting it, that's okay. Just do it for yourself. Yeah. If you've got that creative urge to do something be creative yeah. just, just do it just do it I agree because creative matters doesn't it
0: absolutely <laughs> 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 little plug there yeah. yeah no I agree and um, yeah just getting into it and keeping it personal to start with if you want to until you feel you're ready to take it out into the big wide world well, which is know, never uh, easy
1: when I was a little kid I just drew and drew and drew yeah. like all the, no one else ever saw it mm. maybe my mum and dad um, and now I'm happy to show it to other people. Yeah, you know, I've been showing yeah. it to you know. It can take time. Can't yeah.
0: It? yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great advice. Thanks, Marlon. And uh, it's been an absolute pleasure sitting down with you. Thank you so much for coming to uh, to talk on my little podcast. That um, you know, my sixth guest. So you're very trusting to um, put yourself out there with me. And um, it's been a really lovely chat and, um, yeah, thank you so much. It's
1: been a pleasure for me too, Mandy. Thank you so much. Thank you.